Welcome to the Core Women Podcast, the place for women entrepreneurs, authors, and self-starters looking to build community and gain valuable insights through expert interviews with women at the top of their game. Join your host, podcaster, producer, expert coach, entrepreneur, and author, Dr. Summer Watson, as she aims to inspire and empower you through these candid conversations. Lean in and embrace the journey. It's time to start the show. Here's your host, Dr. Summer Watson. Today on the show, I would like to welcome Jan Barlow, who has over two decades of global business development and job matching experience for global pharmaceutical companies. Jan launched the nonprofit Better Job Fit in 2009, initiated as a social justice program serving veterans and foster care organizations, and has expanded its services to include e-learning courses and collaborates with various industry thought leaders to host events for consciously advanced leaders and those in career transition. We have so much to talk about, so let's jump right into this, Jan. Thank you. Thank you for (laughs) inviting me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you here. So before we delve into your professional background, Tell us a bit about yourself, where your personal journey began, such as where you grew up and important lessons that you might have learned along the way that got you to where you are today. Well, thank you again for asking. I haven't, I got to be honest, can't remember the last time someone asked me about my personal back as far as that far back. So thank you so much. Um, You know, I grew up in the Midwest where we were taught right is right and wrong is wrong. (laughs) And then after college, I moved to Washington, D.C., worked for a Nazi war hunter. Yes, (laughs) we hunted uh, World War II uh, Nazi criminals. So that right, right and wrong, like right is right and wrong is wrong. At a young age, at 23, right in the face, that wasn't reality, right? That wasn't, um, I went to law school and first year of law school, even though my uh, worked a lot in law, worked for the law school at the undergraduate level where I went to school for college, worked for law firms, I mean, before having a full-time job. So really when I moved to Washington, D.C. and really started working in something so intense as hunting down Nazi war criminals, like it was black and white, like literally like there's only one right and one wrong. And that's really was my first experience of guess what? That's not what the real world is like. Even though I had a a long history of working right in business, it was when I was faced with that experience of taking depositions of Holocaust survivors. And then you know, that were 40 years, right back in that memory, and then having to go research and and, uh, hunt down and do their depositions, those who were um, accused, that really hit home about, wow, this is more complicated. Life is more complicated than what we are taught in school or how we're raised. So it was a great, uh, really a personal transfer formation for me. I didn't finish law school. So it was like when uh, we were in the middle of all this and I said, well, you know, the law has nothing, literally the law has nothing to do with right or wrong. And so um, that really 
put a whole new perspective on my life. And then I moved to Florida and started my own insurance and securities business because I was like, I'm done with DC. I see that whole cluster pluck that goes on there. Right. (laughs) You know, when, when, you know, the, this, when we're divided, you know, where the mainstream media divides us uh, into buckets and it's like, guess what people it, it's not, it doesn't work like that there. I mean, you know, um, so really just that kind of went the total opposite. I started my own business in insurance and securities in Northwest Florida. So Pensacola area where Mm. people go to vacation, nobody cared where, what, where you're from, what you drive, how much money you make it, you know, if you're not nice to people, yeah, you don't get things done. So that's nice mattered there. That's what I really liked. And then really took off from there, uh, just kind of branched off into business development. And that led me to working in my strengths around business development. So it's always been taking that life lesson and what I've been learning in my life through work, right? Those work experiences that affected my personal life and, and how I looked at life my resilience or how I perceived my bubble, if you will. Yeah. So it's taking those lived experiences that include work and the personal, right? right? And being able to kind of take the, that bag of uh, experiences down through my journey that really combined personal and work journey. So it was wow. nice. Wow. So much there, so much there. Oh my goodness. Where to begin? So you started your journey, you know, working early on, then you went to DC. Was that when you were doing those interviews, were those for like the Nuremberg trial? So that's interesting because my husband's cousin's father worked on those trials as a, a lawyer. So very interesting. And I can understand why you might think or learn at that time, that things aren't just black and white, because That's once awesome. you start in getting into what you had mentioned, those lived experiences, what we call those phenomenological experiences, those lived experiences. I'm a phenomenological qualitative researcher. Oh, I bet. Oh my gosh. That you talk about curiosity and discovery. Oh my gosh. That is so deep. That would be so amazing. It's so amazing because you know, when you go to the doctor They get data on you. What gender are you? What's your age? All that stuff. And you're kind of categorized. So that's kind of as a lawyer, black and white textbook law, right? But then you get into the stories. So then you go back into the doctor and they say, but tell us your story. How are you feeling today? So both qualitative and quantitative are important because then you can combine the data and see what you're looking at. But what you had mentioned earlier on too, which I think is really important, is that in DC, they were kind of trying to categorize people, put you in boxes, right? But there are a lot of neurodiverse people out there that just can't be put into boxes. We can't all be put into boxes. Well, and humans are a living organism that changes every moment. So putting anybody... Linear versus multidimensional, right? You, you know what I'm saying? We don't oh, live in absolutely. a linear world. That's 16th right. century Newtonian law. Like, <laughs> are you kidding me? But our brain still is ABC. It's like, come on, get up with the program. We live in right. a multidimensional quantum science world. Why yeah. do we just have this expectation of linear, right? Conditioning. Conditioning. Yeah. <laughs> 
so much conditioning. We got to rewind, right? Right. Reprogram. That's right. That's right. And so we're opening this conversation in many of these conversations because we are and do want to have people talk about the diversity, the expansion of how we think, and we can think outside of the box and that's okay. So let's jump on into the next question, because I liked what you mentioned about taking all of that, that wisdom, those skills, and now you've decided you're going to start your own business. You've taken those skills and used them as transferable skills to apply somewhere else. Where did you get the courage, Jan, to say, I'm not going to do law school. I'm going to take a different path. What did that feel like not finishing that? And then just saying, I'm going to be courageous and do something different. Had you ever had somebody in your life that was an entrepreneur or this was just your journey and your first experience into entrepreneurship. Tell us a little bit more about that. First of all, thank you for asking. My dad worked at a regular, you know, nine to five job, so to speak, even though he, he worked midnights. So he was already, it was already abnormal. Not a lot of people worked midnight shift. right? Right. So that was unusual, but my mom, she had her own business. So she had a hair studio, a hair salon, and she volunteered a lot. She was just a champion for community service. So growing up in that environment, not the traditional nine to five, right? Um, mother was an entrepreneur and a, just a big volunteer community service. So I never doubted, like I had that bug already. I mean, at age yeah. 10, we, we had in our family, uh, I have a brother who's five years older and he has cerebral palsy. Mm-hmm. So literally you know, we lived in Ohio at the time and he, by the time he was 16, he already had 10 surgeries. So the Cleveland clinic, they were telling my parents when he was like two, you know, be prepared. He's not going to be normal, right? Mm -hmm. He's, he's not going to be able to walk. He's not, you know, he'll possibly live in, in, in a wheelchair. He's not going to be able to go to college. I mean, they were, you talk about just, just so unrealistic. Mm -hmm. I know that they got to tell you the bad to expect the worst, but my family, especially my parents, that was a bag of chips that they didn't assign to my brother or assign in our house. So everybody showed up with their talent or what they could do. We, it wasn't about what you couldn't do. So we didn't treat my brother as he was handicapped. Like we, he was treated just like all the rest of us. Right. So that whole combination, when you think of you know, untraditional business model, right? Right. I mean, I I knew it wasn't just nine to five. Uh, Mother being um, from a traditional household, you know, back then, most women, you know, they could have a part-time job or, Mm -hmm. you know, they might, but my mother had her own business. Mm -hmm. Um, And then caring for uh, a physically, I mean, back then they called it handicapped, right? Right. Person. Um, But with all that, lived experience from that growing up, that mindset, it was untraditional. So, I mean, at age 10, I started my own little backyard carnival for a fundraiser. So I just, (laughs) you know, that's like, that's just kind of been in my DNA. So that's kind of how it progressed, but it was through my 
life experience of working, I was at the height of my career, working for a global pharmaceutical company, hired from our biggest competitor because of my strengths, my independence, you know, grassroots, give me a project, let's get it up and running as quickly as possible, because that's what I did for uh, ophthalmologists starting mm-hmm. laser vision correction. It was sell them a laser. They don't know anything from Adam's house cat. You got to get them up and running and earning money, right? right. So they can pay yeah. for this million dollar laser. So having that skill set of knowing how to start a project or a business, grassroots level on very minimal, right? How to leverage your resources right. and get it up and running was a gift. Well, then hired by the uh, biggest, you know, our biggest competitor, another global pharmaceutical company, uh, two months into it from my hiring manager, we're starting to rock and roll and she gets reassigned. Mm-hmm. So I get a new, so me and my colleague get a new manager, totally upside down. She, unfortunately she felt threatened. Plus we, we didn't, we weren't hired by her. She wanted her own people. Right. Um, literally put me upside down, meaning totally not working in my strengths, just set set up for failure. So literally losing everything through that experience of health. I mean, I was at risk for a heart attack and stroke and they called it adrenal burnout. I mean, I was sleeping for 12 hours a day, get up for an hour and a half and have to go lay down again. You know, I just thought I had to try harder. I just thought you just need to try harder. Right. And after that seven to nine month mark, I was like, I'm, I'm done. Like I can't fight anymore. Yeah. And, you know, when you're in a merger and acquisition, there is no, I'm sorry, but just by the very nature of that process, there's nobody to go to because nobody knows who has authority. So, mm-hmm. you know, I tried to go to HR, but there was, it is what it is. Right. Yeah. But that from that experience summer, I wanted to make sure like the Phoenix rising, I wanted to make sure that people weren't put in harm's way anymore. Like I wanted to educate people about this whole job search process and job process, you know, experience yeah. to make sure that they, it wasn't about self-discovery. It was about self-mastery. It's up to us to know ourselves and when, and to be able to be informed, to ask certain questions when we're getting a new manager or when we're in a new job situation or looking for a job in that discovery process, we need to take that ownership of knowing ourselves and evaluating where's my strengths and, you know, how do I communicate that? Not only strengths, but how do you know you're going to be a good fit with somebody or where there might be potential issues? So like me, I'm a 10 on independence. I mean, for every one of my strengths for starting a new business or helping a doctor get up and running quickly, that's a strength. Yes. But when you're interviewing for a job with somebody that that's, that's an opposite behavior, right? So assertiveness, uh, you know, uh, decisiveness, they might perceive that subconsciously differently. Yeah. So you need to know what questions to ask to share who you are and then garner questions that will give you more information about what the situation might be. And I know that a lot of people say, well, Jan, that seems like overkill. Well, I guess I'm coming from the perspective of, again, that experience of how I almost lost my life because I thought something was wrong with me. 
And there is no fault. It just is what it is. But I could have asked more questions. Like if I would have known some things, maybe I could have asked more questions or communicated and say, hey, you know, I see that we have a problem here that, you know, we, we need to work through. But I didn't have the courage to do that. And I just wanted to, that's really when I think about the, that seed mm-hmm. that said, okay, what's the calling? I just don't want anybody to ever go through what I went through. Right. If we, if yes. I can help it. <laughs> yeah. No. And it's so important what you've said and explained there, because I talk about understanding your core beliefs and values, not merely just because I want to talk about it, but it is of such value because when you're pairing with a partner, whether it's business or professional, whether you're looking for a job, you have to be aware of what your core values and beliefs are. Because when you go to that job, as you were talking about, you're going to ask the questions, not just what is your mission statement, but what are your core values? How are you living that through your organization, through your company? What does that look like? And these questions are really important because it helps you determine whether or not you're going to be a good match, whether or not there's going to be longevity there with that personal partner, with that job, with that, with that, you know, that's right. It's like, it's not like, I mean, this is something that, you know, when we talk about raising that consciousness level of yourself, and and that's when we talk about consciously advanced leaders, it's about really consciously advanced workers. People are slowly getting out of the mindset of, I need money and I need a job. Okay. That's going to last maybe 90 days, if that. And what we see, what the latest on LinkedIn that I saw yesterday, that 50% of those people that started in a job within three to six months are quitting. Right. Well, and here's the other thing, Jan, when you look at this from a clinical perspective, that three to six month mark is your transitional period. It's that honeymoon phase. Yes. So after that six month mark, you begin to see people's real personalities. So you were talking and you were essentially talking about Myers-Briggs personality stuff earlier on. And so when you see that six month mark, you get to see these people's personalities. You really get to see them open up, let their guard down. And then we could see, is this person, are these people kind of jiving? Are they melding? Are they, but that the onus is on us as well, on the employee and the employer, but the employee to go in and do your research and understand your own core values and understand your beliefs. And I'll, I'll tell you a real quick story. So when I was in North Carolina, as a military spouse, we move every three to four years. And that's very difficult because it makes the military spouse a professional resume maker, a professional interviewer, yeah. interviewee. It, it's so you've got to do your research, know what you're, you're looking for all these things because it happens every three to four years. So I go into this hospital and they tell me within two years, they had seven different people in that position that I was applying for. Now my little sensors went up and I thought, <laughs> Oh boy. Oh my goodness. But knowing <laughs> that as a military spouse, we're transitional and we move every three years and we go to these little towns, I have minimal options in regards to where am I going to get a job in my field that I love, that I want to continue to do. So I took the job and I knew better. I knew better from the very beginning. And I didn't use my spidey senses to say, nope, 
this isn't going to last. This isn't going to last. But, but yet, like you said, you thought you, you were weighing. Yes. Right. Yes. And that's where I'm saying that we say, well, and it's, right. there's no right or wrong answer. It just right. is what it is. But, but you look back and go, yeah, but you made the best decision right. that you could at that moment and, yes. and to be okay with it. Right. Right. <laughs> and, and yet I knew better because like you, it sent me into this downhill spiral. My health started going. I, I had to go to multiple doctors. I, I felt like you where I just, I couldn't get it in any sleep because they wouldn't let me turn off my phone. But oh. at the same time, it was, I'm still going to these doctors. And they found out that something clicked in me that it started, they found out I had lupus. So yeah. I was just like, oh my gosh. And never before had I been diagnosed with that. So it was lack of sleep. It was the stress. Yes. It was all of that, yep. you know, and anywho. So that's my little story to kind of support what you're saying here, because I think what you're doing is incredible as you go and educate out there in the world. Now you've launched the nonprofit better job fit in 2009. You've told me the motivation for launching this nonprofit, but it was initially focused on veterans and foster care organizations. Can you tell me more about that? So I had friends that were either CEOs or founders of two veteran organizations and a, a foster care. So they were very frustrated because like veterans, how do you take a gunny sergeant, right? And what, and transition them to private sector. So we started to, we have a a job matching process for the foster care and the veterans organizations. We became the added value or the facilitator for internships and permanent placement. So we, because two vulnerable groups that number one, Again, people don't know what to do with them. I mean, with foster care, literally their brains, because of their experience, lived experience of, you know, I had a 16-year-old foster care young man that had been in 14 different homes over 16 years. Yeah. So, you you know, psychology, right? Food, water, shelter. And if you're constantly, like you, in transition, right, you don't get that settled feeling of moving up Maslow's triangle of right. feeling belonging or feeling that stability, So they're already um, at a loss. So we became the go-between for companies. We actually created a program to where we were the recruiting arm for these two organizations. Again, we kicked it up a notch. There was a standard, right? So we, we had job matches for who we helped. So there would be three or four different job matches. And we'd go to the company and say, hey, these are the matches. What are your needs? This is a good match. Yes or no. So it wasn't just throwing them into harm's way. There was a planning process in that. So, and then it just grew since then. I mean, 2018, we were called to start doing a lot of workshops coming to career uh, networking groups. We started our virtual course then. And it just, and of course, 2020, it just, it just blew up from there. That is, well, of course. Yeah. Awesome. Because people were losing jobs, leaving jobs. They had time to reflect and say, I don't really feel appreciated here. This is not really matching with my core values and my belief system. And I want something different for myself. So you had a lot of that going on, which is why last year we saw at the end of the year, October, the great resignation, quote unquote, right? So, but now we're also looking at 
Well, there's lots of things we're looking at yeah. and we could get into that and go down every oh, that's a whole, hole, yeah, that's, that's a, a whole different level. <laughs> you know, when you sit on the couch for two years and you start th- doing that self-reflection work, yeah. that's really what, right. You know, I mean, <laughs> but here's, here's the thing, all these people that you're working with, these foster care kids, I've worked in social services. So I know exactly what you're talking about when these kids are getting out of the system and they're having to go to work and they've been transitioned from one house to the next, the stability, the roots, it's not there necessarily, but yet they have these super skills, right. To move, to like adjust, to transition, they're They're resilient. resilient. There's so many things that they do have that can be applicable to jobs, military, things that they don't know, making resumes, doing interviews, because that's not something maybe they've done in a long time because they've been in the service and yet they go up for promotion boards and do the interview for the promotion. But at that point, it's like, it's not a job interview. So they're having to relearn these various skills, right? And learn how to go and get a job and speak differently, like civilian speak versus military speak. Uh, All in acronyms, right? Right. And that's all different because I did start a company called Careering Up, helping military transition as a military spouse, knowing what it was like to go from job to job, helping military transition out of the military and into the workforce because I helped with resume writing. We did various question and answer kind of things to help get them ready for mock interviews and so, so forth and so on. So I do know what you're talking about and what you're doing is so valuable. So you're also working on launching your 2022 HR Disruptor Summit. Tell us about that. Oh, girl, it's, it's, uh, that was a calling back in 2020. We worked with a lot of HR professionals. And so back in 2018, I got involved with our local Dallas HR chapter in the new membership. Dallas HR is the second largest society of human resource group in the country. So we had like 23, 2,400 members. So I had a lot of great peeps, my HR peeps, and they were complaining. And I would see these programs that they were always about compliance issues or there wasn't much strategy. It wasn't aligning with what they were dealing with, what the traditional HR professional is dealing with today. There's a big shift or a big gap between academia and the workforce. So I saw all these issues from my perspective, dealing with academia, dealing with companies, dealing with HR professionals. So I just decided, I said, well, might as well start my own event because we tried to collaborate with our local uh, chapter. Um, But again, they weren't embracing the real issues, right? They're still stuck on, you know, compliance or traditional DEI. So I said, okay, well, so we gathered a group of of speakers and people, and we did our first virtual event in October of 2020, and Mm -hmm. then it blew up. 2021, we did two events in 2021. So yeah, it's it's much, it's been exciting. It's one of the biggest challenges uh, when we talk about the work Mm -hmm. that's involved, um, because you're constantly speaking to hundreds of people about what is unique, what they do, what, you know, and, and really I'm the filter. I'm like discovery of what's the latest pains in work are about better job fit. We rebranded this year and it's all about reimagine work. That's what we're all about. I love that Jan. So knowing that you do so much professionally, how do you find time to care for yourself and your own needs? 
I got to tell you, I will be very honest when I did the summit, when we did our, the second one last year, yeah, about seven days, seven to 10 days before the event, yeah. I literally had a flashback and was feeling like when I was having the adrenal burnout, Yeah, I got to tell you that when I was in that situation, I was like, okay, we got to make sure that we don't go back there. So again, yeah. the conscious, um, just really being consciously aware of when that meter starts going off and then coming back to say, okay, just like I had the experience over this weekend, it was like, okay, cause we're preparing for the next summit right. the live one in October, the virtual event starts in June. So I'm like, okay, wow. I started to feel that way again. Yeah. And I said, okay, it's, it's dialing back and having that support system, um, fortunately I have one more person on our team, uh, that literally is my grounding person. And I said, okay, Great. I know we got a lot to do. Let's sit down and talk about what literally needs to be done now. Like, and, and it, because you're planning for the, you know, so far in advance, right. you have to come back and have those people around you that are uplifting and positive and can bring you back to center and say, okay, one step at a time now, instead of working 20 steps ahead, let's come back. So it's a lot of self-reflection and owning it. It's right. only up to, it's up to us summer, you know, nobody yeah. can take care of you. Like you got to yeah. really pull up your big girl and boy panties. As I say, I mean, yeah. seriously, you yeah. got to own that. So yeah. I, it's a constant evaluation on a daily basis. That's yeah. it's, that's the way I look at it. And I'm glad that you have that awareness, that consciousness about what your needs are and knowing your triggers is so important because I believe that when we go through something like that, it sets in our mind and in our soul, like this almost trauma in a way, our brains remember how it felt when that happened. So we have to ask ourselves what's going on, check in with ourselves, understand those triggers, and then say, I got to pull back like you're doing yeah. right. And then, you know, what's best for you, you know, that you can access that support system. You know, that you can take the step back. You know, that you need some time away from the computer, from the planning, oh you know, you need some time of not making up for those 20 steps above, but yeah. taking it back and saying, five is okay. And let's yeah. be in the here and now and deal with these three things that we have confronting us today. And so, be okay with it. And, and that's, be that's okay the, and it. be okay with it. Cause that's right. the next step. It's one thing to do it, but then right. in your mind, you have that self-talk that, yes. that, you know, of judgment of saying you're not doing enough, or, you know, I can't believe you can't keep up. I mean, that's mind side of you. That's constantly chatter monkey yeah. of saying you're not enough or, you know, how come you're not, you know, Oh, da, da. it's like, shush. Just shush, you know, like or, just, it's, or rather it's going to be okay. That's exactly because. right. And it this, is what it is. And, and this is acceptable because again, I think that goes back to conditioning that we can do it all yeah. and yet forget about ourselves. But if our cup is empty, if that cup is empty, we're done. Like we're, <sighs> we're just, yeah. we're, we're functioning off fumes and that's no, and, not going to yeah. work. That set point, you know, when yeah. you and I both experienced that physical yes. downgrade, that like exhaustion. A, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That mental set point. 
Right. We all have a mental set, set point of that, of that feeling. So when it gets there, like that alarm just starts going off, right? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and you'd be amazed how your body will cue into that and how it'll start manifesting in different ways. If you don't recognize yes. it. Yeah. That that's exactly like, like people don't always connect the yeah. thoughts to the form, to the physical right. manifestation. It's like, right. when I look back at my transition, Oh, I know now looking at it going, I manifested every bit of that, like right. that, uh, that whole experience with that past boss yeah, and how that manifested to physical. That's why they call it dis-ease. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So we've got to be aware of those triggers and what's going to, you know, of our body and the way it's feeling in our brain. And because in one way or the other, our body will tell us. <laughs> It's so, it's so intelligent, right? right. That's what's so, it, it heals itself. It, I mean, it is so intelligent. It like, is. Why would we not partner with it right. from a conscious level? Like, like, hello, it knows even more. I mean, the cells have memory. Oh, I mean, like, yes, absolutely. I right? love what you just said there. The cells have memories and you're so right about that. We can go down this road. We have a set form of DNA, right? But what we feed it, what we do to it will, that is the result of the expression. And so it will express in different ways based on everything we're doing to it. So, (laughs) okay. I gotta, I gotta give you a book it's called the biology of belief Yeah. by, um, I want to say Dr. Lipton. Um, But it's called the biology of belief. And that was just so transforming to see the science, right? It's not woo. -woo, It's science. It's science. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. And woo woo is okay. I was going to say, I'm, I'm big woo woo. Sorry. I'm okay with woo woo. Okay. So, all right, my dear last question, as we come to a close of the interview, if you were to leave the listeners with some words of wisdom, what would they be? It is what it is. Like you got to be okay with it. Whatever's going on in your bubble, because that's what I'm going through, right? But that's the message for me all day, every day. Yeah. You're called, you know, inspired action. But really, when you look at it, it is what it is. And you got to be okay with it because there's no absolute. Because we do this judgment on this linear thinking, like we were saying, right is right and wrong is wrong, because that's how we're conditioned. Right. That's not true reality. It's based just, it's okay just be okay with it. Like if you're feeling bad, it's okay. Like to feel bad. It's okay. It's not supposed to be pretty. Life is not pretty. It's not clean. It's not precise. It is what it is and be okay with that. Well, thank you, Jan, for joining me on the core women podcast today. Thank you so much, my friend. It's just been such a pleasure to meet you and to be part of your community. So thank you. Thank you so much. You can follow Jan Barlow on LinkedIn and at www.betterjobfit.org. Thank you for joining us on the Core Women Podcast with Dr. Summer Watson. We're so glad you're here and would love to connect more with you. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Core Women and on Twitter at Core Women One. For more about Core Women and Dr. Watson, visit corewomen.com. Want more support and resources for amazing women like you? Great. Join Dr. Watson and Jen Fontanilla at the Life, Love, and Money Collective, a core women production that aids in understanding the key traits that might be getting in the way of living a life that you are absolutely passionate about. 
Connect with Summer and Jen and find out more at thelifeloveandmoney.com.